This episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast has been brought to you by Patrick's Cooking Corner. Look for it on YouTube. Search for Solo64 and go to the cooking portion of his channel. You can also follow Patrick on Twitter at BigSolo64. Now, to your regularly scheduled Terrible Terror Podcast. Thanks for making me watch this piece of shit movie, Patrick. Bye! It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you've made a movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you accidentally cause the zombie apocalypse because you're being an idiot? Why, you get the 1985 classic, Return of the Living Dead. everyone and welcome to another episode of the terrible terror podcast as you see we have some snazzy little music to go over the intro uh something new something different just trying things all the time that's the way that's how you get uh better right uh unless you're me and then you stay around the b-movie area which is perfectly fine uh so this week uh, as you heard also in the intro it's being brought to you by one of our listeners uh patrick uh this is the second movie that he has had me watched and it primarily came out of a conversation that we had and he somehow got one of the lines in the movie stuck in his head and that was kind of what led to everything going on here so i'm kind of well i should say i was kind of skeptical going into it because it's a movie that surprisingly i i had never seen i mean and it's weird how could i have not seen this and i thought about it and i've actually seen a lot of clips in here and there and uh, a bunch of people have reviewed this movie before but what the hell let me give my spin on it and let's go ahead and do it i know a lot of you out there gonna be like how have you never seen this movie i just was never the biggest zombie fan there's not a whole lot of zombie movies that i like you know, I, George Romero, of course, you know, I love Night of the Living Dead, uh, and that's more for the social commentary than for the actual zombies. And, of course, the 20 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later is kind of a little weak. Uh, but those films kind of grab me, but I've never been the biggest fan. And, and this came out in 85, uh, and way before my love of horror really hit. So it's always fun when I can find a movie that is something that a lot of people really like, and yet, myself, I've never actually seen the movie. So, I'm sure I'm going to get some flack for not have actually seen this movie prior to coming to the podcast. But, 
you got to think about it this way, at least for me. Uh, this is all fresh eyes seeing something that a lot of people have seen before. And it is, as I found out, very cult status type of film. Let's just jump right into the film, shall we? Now, you get this title card where it says that the events of this film are actually true. And that made my head kind of scratch and like, huh? Especially if you've seen the trailer or you heard the 80s cheese that was played at the beginning of the podcast. Now, what's weird to me is that that like, theme song, I guess you'd call it, or the intro title card song, doesn't actually pop up till eight minutes into the movie. Which, to me, is a little bit weird, and I'm not sure exactly why they decided to take that route. Instead, we focus in on the medical supply building that uh, the whole movie is basically going to take place in and around. And we see the boss talking with, uh, like, a manager of sorts, Frank, and his new employee, Freddy. And they're talking about the long weekend coming up. Hey, Frank. Well, I got another hour's work to do. The kid's going to stick with me, and then I'll show him the ropes. Okay, you lock up for me before you go. Fourth of July weekend, buddy boy. Got to move. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you have a nice fourth, and I'll see you Sunday at the barbecue. You better believe it. I'll be there with bells on. Kid, I want to tell you something, and I mean this sincerely. No matter what happens, don't name it after me. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, Frank. So that's Bert, and Bert is going to show up a little later in the film. And Frank, meanwhile, he's kind of showing Freddy uh, around the warehouse, so to speak. And it's a medical supply warehouse where they're holding a bunch of different types of cadavers, skeletons, I guess body parts. It's really weird, and it's kind of like a weird... I wouldn't say it's like a medical RS. It looks like it's a one-stop shop for your dead body parts. And... I guess that's a little odd, I guess that you would say, that they would actually have this type of place and they would uh, supply to all these... Well, I mean, it's not totally odd, I guess, because if you're supplying to, like, medical schools and stuff like that, but it really seems like it's like the Costco of dead bodies. Like, there's tons of skeletons around. Supposedly, they've got a cadaver somewhere. Uh, and... When Freddy asks, where do they get the skeletons from, Frank replies in a really, well, kind of frank manner. Fine in the warehouse frank, business. Where Good. do they get all these skeletons from? Oh, they come from India. Oh, India? International treaty. All skeletons come from India. No kidding. How come? How the hell do I know how come? The important question is, where do they get all the skeletons with perfect teeth? I'm going to ask you a serious question. How many people you know die... With a beautiful, perfect set of choppers in their puss, huh? Nobody I can think yeah. of. Yeah. No, I think that there's a skeleton farm over in India. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple of weird things here. First, what's the thing about joking about India? Like, because they have so many people, that's why you've got a bunch of their skeletons? Or I guess there's like a big black market type of trade there for people that die. And then the word puss. Uh, what it means today, 
doesn't necessarily what it meant back in 1985. And I know that he's meaning mouth. Like how many people actually have a full set of perfect teeth in their mouth when they die? It's very far and few between. So maybe we're linking something to a, well, you know, these people got killed specifically so that we could have these skeletons in India. Or maybe Indians stereotypically have the best perfect white straight teeth. And honestly, if those were real skeletons, I mean, they look like... (laughs) cheap-ass Halloween decorations that you'd find at the dollar store. Now, not to knock the dollar store or the 99-cent-only store that's located by us over here, because they got really good deals on candy, especially during Halloween. I mean, it's like the best place that you can go to go get your candy. Oh, okay, I need to break off from that, because I'm starting to think about how good a Reese's would be right now. Man, that peanut butter. I bet you they have a bunch of the pumpkin. Okay, uh, no, 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 no. Back back to the movie. Back to the movie. So it looks like that cheap-ass shit that you would find at the most discount of spooky stores that you could find. I mean, even if you go into a place like a medical supply place and they have the skeletons that are the learning skeletons, they don't look as cheap as the skeleton that you find here inside this film. So after he's shown Freddy exactly what needs to be done in terms of shipping the skeleton, i.e. putting it in the crate, make sure there's lots of fucking peanuts. Are you fucking kidding me? Nobody should use those fucking things. The only reason that you ship that to anybody because they're your worst fucking enemy. I swear to God, if anybody fucking ships me those little packing peanuts, there's going to be one of those turds in the mail going right back to that return address. I swear to fucking God. Hate those things so much. They're just like glitter. Except for they're the herpes of the shipping world, while glitter is the herpes of the goddamn craft world. Ugh, don't get me started on fucking packing peanuts. Anyway, so he tells him to use fucking packing peanuts to pack the skeleton, and then he wants to show him where the real stuff is. And that's one of the cadavers that they actually have holding up in their big, like, refrigeration section of the warehouse. We usually get more inventory than this, but, uh... Yeah, we're expecting the shipment on Monday. How many bodies are in your usual? Well, you know, you don't want to be overstocked. Kind of like the restaurant business. You don't want your inventory to lose its freshness. He also mentioned something about the cadavers going to the military, which I don't know what type of military accepts cadavers unless you're going to try to use them to create yourself some type of army that's indestructible, that's going to take over the world. Oh, wait, I think that's the premise of another film. Let's let's jump off that for a second. So now that we've met Bert, the owner of this warehouse, and we've met Frank, who's basically like the manager there, and Freddy, let's meet some of Freddy's friends who happen to be the punks of the movie. Are we going to party tonight or what? Yeah, we are going to party. Well, where? Where are we going to party? I don't know. Somewhere. Hey, we could go to the park. Oh, no, we can't. The cops said they'd shoot us if we go back to the park. Yeah, and I ain't in no mood to die tonight. <laughs> I like death. I like death with sex. How about you, Casey? You like sex with death? Yeah, so fuck off and die. So what are we going to party tonight, Tina? Oh, you guys, that'd be really rad. But I'm supposed to meet Freddie when he gets off work. Yeah, where are you supposed to meet him? At this medical supply warehouse where he's working. Oh, no, he got a job. What a dick. Oh, shit. Why did you say so? Why did we all go pick Freddy up? Freddy always knows where there's a place to party. Welcome to the stereotypes of the movie. I swear to God, every one of them is a huge fucking stereotype. And there is the black friend who happens to be a punk. And, you know, that guy's really fucking familiar. I mean, I know I've seen him in something before, but I can't just quite place 
where that guy actually is from. Oh, man. I'm sure it'll come to me at some point in the movie. Uh, but for now, we get to see that they think that, of course, because they're 1980s stereotype punks, at least everybody but the goody-goody two-shoes who happens to be uh, poor Freddy's girlfriend, these guys are those really anti-society and just plain dumb fucking teenagers of the movie. They might not even be teenagers. They actually might be uh, somewhat older, maybe their early 20s or something like that. But they're definitely the street punks, and that's exactly what we need to identify them as. So we move on, and we go back into the warehouse, and Frank and Freddy are sitting at their desks. And, of course, Freddy asks, hey, what's the weirdest thing that you've seen? Frank? Yeah, kid. What's the weirdest thing you've ever saw in here? Kid. I have seen weird things come, and I have seen weird things go. But the weirdest thing I ever saw just had to cap it off. Oh, yeah? <laughs> What's that? Let me ask you a question, kid. Did you see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where the corpses start eating the people, right? Sure. What, what about it? Did you know that movie was based on a true case? Oh, come on, you're shitting me, right? I ain't never been more serious in my life. That's not possible. I mean, they showed zombies taking over the world. Well, they changed it all around. What really happened was, back in 1969 in Pittsburgh at the VA hospital, there was a chemical spill, and all that stuff kind of leaked down into the morgue, and it made all the dead bodies kind of jump around as though it was alive. What chemical? 2,4,5-trioxin, it's called. It was to kind of spray on marijuana or something, and the Darrow Chemical Company was trying to develop it for the Army. And they told the guy who made the movie that if he told the true story, they'd just sue his ass off. So he changed all the facts around. So what really happened? Well, they closed it all down, see? And the army shipped all that contaminated dirt and all those dead bodies out. And they kept it a secret. So we've got a couple things going on here. First, Night of the Living Dead was actually a documentary that was changed into a film. So there are things in the film that we don't know whether they're real or they're not real. And the reason that we don't know this anymore is because supposedly John Romero was gonna get sued what he was gonna get sued i mean wouldn't it sound better if he was going to be like say oh well if you bring out the truth we're just gonna fucking kill you i mean i'd be a little more uh like worried about that rather than being sued and especially if the movie was something that was huge oh well the government's gonna sue me and i'm gonna now come out with the reason why because the only reason or only thing they're gonna do to me is sue me okay i'm bringing this to life and you're not gonna kill me you're just gonna take some of my money oh okay well that means that you have to prove that this was real and, of course, you're putting John Romero in this very negative light, like, Oh no, I don't want to be sued. I'll just change the movie in certain ways, and then we'll release it, and everybody will be happy. So, it's a little odd there. Second is some of the way the language is worded in this movie, in the dialogue. 
you know, what was the weirdest thing you you ever saw here or you have ever saw? It's kind of weird. Like there's a, there's another scene that's a little bit later where I think that maybe this wasn't the best take or this was the best take and they actually kind of stumbled over their lines and so we got these weird nonsensical phrases together i mean that one does work and it can be properly done grammatically i know i know grammar nazi here okay literature student uh and but you have these like you you would basically be it would sound more natural if you would say what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen rather than you ever saw i mean it maybe it's just weird to me but you're talking in past tense and you know maybe there's new stuff he's expecting i don't know it just like i said the dialogue sounds a little bit weird in that section i also should mention within the punk segment that they all seem to be very upset that this guy has a job and i mean yeah what a dick right i want to get money to do stuff maybe to party with you guys maybe to take you guys out somewhere maybe to take out my nice girl somewhere uh but no we should be all against society and just fucking go and chug beer or something i don't know what the fuck you guys do so we go from this and he tells him hey you want to see a dead body basically uh and takes him downstairs to see the bodies itself because supposedly the bodies in a transportation error shipped them to this warehouse instead of to the military so the military got i guess regular cadavers and they got uh these corpses from the night of living dead basically story right not from the movie itself but from whatever that movie is based on so he takes him downstairs and shows him these pods that are down there and it's really weird because there's some number on the outside of those pods and the weirdest thing is is that it's a real number like you know normally when you watch films and they say okay you're gonna call this number when you need help and it's always like you know maybe you'll get an area code maybe you'll get like a 310 area code or a 510 or 861 720 something like that uh but it's always 555 or it's 7615555 because 555 numbers are totally false numbers right well this one actually has a real number and originally for a treat i was going to call the number live on the podcast you see i did dial the number before this was recorded just to see if i'd actually get anything and i thought great this will be wonderful we'll call it in we'll do this stuff and then when i tried it before i started recording this the number is no longer available to me in my area code and it was weird when i first dialed it it gave me some option to say if you have any senior citizens in your house over the age of 65 press one and that didn't do anything past that point because i decided hey you know what i'm just gonna hang up we'll try this later maybe we'll go further down the rabbit hole live but just try and calling it back before the recording and it just tells me hey it's not available to you anymore so maybe it's one of those roaming numbers you know when they said if you call within the next 15 minutes for this survey or we're doing this thing in your area and maybe that actually is true i've also seen rumors online that the number used to link to a sex hotline that charged you a dollar 99 a minute that would have been a lot more exciting than it just telling me that nobody can fucking call here anymore so one of the weirder things that actually happens in this movie well at least to me is when frank is showing freddie the 
little pod things. Uh, he goes to clean the glass of where the dead guy is. Uh, and then he takes a whole fucking roll of paper towels to wipe the Windex off the damn, like, glass. Why would you use the entire roll that way? Like, it's not like he just took off a couple pieces or you, like, say, rolled a bunch. Like, he was, you know, in a public restroom completely wrapping his hand like a boxing glove before he wiped himself because their toilet paper is so shitty. Uh, never done that before. Uh, but, yeah, he's taking the whole roll of toilet, or not toilet paper, but paper towels and just wiping down the glass with it while looking inside Freddy then wonders if that case is okay. Of course, the joke becomes, well, of course it's okay. It was made in America, and Frank smacks it, and then it blows up and blows a bunch of gas in their face. And this is at the point in the movie where we get the title theme. And it kind of shows a couple things going around. It focuses on the face. It's kind of a neat effect because you see the zombie face, like, melting down uh, to almost its base skeleton. And it knocks the two out on the floor. When we come back from after the whole uh, little intro title card screen, we're introduced to who I call Colonel Dickhead and his wife. Hello, dear. How was your day? Usual. Crap. Oh, I'm sorry. What's for dinner? Your favorite. Lamb chops. I had them for lunch. Okay, like... He's just dismisses his wife and goes in the other room and he's got like a briefcase with him and this is all in San Diego and they give the local time. I thought that was kind of weird too that they give the local time of when things happen. So when we're back over in Kentucky we get the local time being you know 5 p.m. and then when we go over to San Diego oh it's actually 3 p.m. in San Diego because you know we're west coast people Uh, and that that really has no significance. And honestly, this scene to me in the beginning had absolutely no significance at all because he doesn't really come back until the end of the film when you realize, oh, okay. Though he does make this statement to his wife after he puts everything away. Well, it's nerve-wracking to live around that equipment all the time. They have to be able to reach me 24 hours a day wherever I am. You know that. Well, that microwave stuff affects my oven. When we find them, you can have the equipment taken out. But when will you find them? Christ, Ethel, I don't know. Maybe we'll never find them. So, we don't know what in this movie right now he's looking for. I mean, you can take an educated guess, but let's go ahead and leave that as a mystery for right now. I I mean, if you really don't know and you, you kind of can't figure it out... I mean, in when I first saw these two characters, I was really, like, maybe not paying attention as well as I should have as I was taking notes about stuff. But it kind of clicked when he just said those phrases and that it was nerve-wracking trying to find something. From that, we go back to the punks and we get to meet a new character who looks like he's just wearing fucking paper clips from his ear to his fucking nose... And, of course, the rest of the gang is along with him. Now, there's a lot in this gang of punk friends, and I'm not going to remember everybody's name completely, uh, which I know, that kind of sucks, but it's weird because they all kind of talk about each other, but I never quite put everything together. Like, supposedly the one that has pink hair is called Trash, but I could have sworn one of the characters called her Suicide. But Suicide happens to be the guy that has the fucking paperclip from his ear that goes into his mouth. And then you got Spider, who is the African-American guy who is... Oh my god, that's where I fucking know you from. You're fucking Juana Man! 
That's right. It's fucking Juana Man. He is in this fucking movie. What the hell, man? That's where you went from fucking the return of the living dead. You went down some weird type of spiral doing all this stuff. This is probably one of your first movies. And honestly, and this is not spoiling anything. Well, I guess it kind of is spoiling thing. But if you're listening to this whole podcast, it's spoiling it in every way. He's the African-American guy that lives until the end of the movie. Like, just like the Night of the Living Dead. Like, there are a couple things that are kind of similar where you see things that are going on. But some of the structure and some of the tropes from the Night of the Living Dead do exist in this movie. Uh, one being, and I always thought for at some point that, uh, and I know I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But I always thought that uh, Zack Snyder kind of brought about the fast zombies uh, into the genre. When honestly, this was more brought in by the Return of the Living Dead because these zombies are no fucking joke. Not all of them are super, super fast, but they're not like the Night of the Living Dead zombies where they're all slow, just kind of pacing across. Uh, here, they're definitely better than they've been, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a bit. I don't want to get way too ahead of myself. So anyway, so fucking Juana Man is in this movie as Spider, but we're going to call him Juana Man for the rest of it because that's exactly where I remember him from. Uh, then you, of course, got Tina, who's, I believe, Freddy's girlfriend, Casey, who's this other person, and Chuck, who is another guy that's kind of a loser, but still is there. So, they all roll up in their car, and they roll up to where Freddy is now working. <clears throat> and, of course, they wonder why they're going to be waiting there anyway. What a hideous, ugly place. I like it. It's a statement. Come on, let's go get the prick. No! Not. He might forget his boss. Well, that's not nice. Yeah, what does he think we are? Weird or something? What time does Freddy get off? 10 o'clock. I ain't sitting here two fucking hours. Oh, we could always go drive around. I don't got gas. You want to buy some gas, idiot? I was kidding. We could go fool around in there for a while. You mean that cemetery? Oh, oh let's uh. do that. Okay, so Trash seems to have this weird type of goth fetish with her that I'm sure we'll never hear about again in this entire film. And Juana Man, he's in the back of the uh, piece of shit car, and he's drinking directly from a bottle. And it's supposed to be like a bottle of booze, but it's green, so I think they're trying to hide the fact that it's fucking water inside the bottle. And it's very obviously that it's water that he's kind of chugging on. It's really silly, and it kind of adds to that B-movie campiness of the film. Uh, so they decide, oh, hey, there's a cemetery over there, and we're just going to hang out inside the, the cemetery. Meanwhile, we go back into the medical supply warehouse, and now Freddy and Frank have woken up. And they're kind of going crazy, uh, and they're kind of choking up the lungs because the gas hit them right in the face. There's some really sly joke about how Freddy says, I've never smoked anything like that before, which gives you a hint. So they're kind of writhing around the warehouse once they've gotten upstairs, and they kind of wonder what they should do next. Listen, I don't guess we better tell Bert about this. It makes us look stupid or something. I can still smell that stuff. It must be in my nose. Either that or it's all over everything. Yeah, I better spray some deodorant around here. One, the deodorant is definitely going to cover up the evil zombie musk that's going around. And two... Again, that's weird phrasing. I don't guess that we shouldn't tell the boss about this. 
So you're not going to guess. So you mean that we shouldn't tell the bots. Why do you need that little bit of extra dialogue there? I really think, again, that this is one of those scenes where it was kind of ad-libbed and that was the best take they got. So they just fucking decide to use it. Now, all of a sudden, they start hearing noises within the warehouse, and it sounds like a dog. And earlier, we were shown that there are actually dog forms in there. And if you don't know what a dog form is, uh, the best way to describe it is it's a actual... There's a lot of, like, animal forms that you can buy in the medical industry, uh, and I believe they're human forms as well. And it's when they slit the dog in half like a cadaver, and you can see the insides, and it's preserved in that way. So they have those there and they hear a dog barking. So of course the dog has the half dog has come to life and they start freaking out about it. They end up smashing the dog poor dog thing in uh, and trying to kill it, but it still doesn't stop it from working. But then they start getting freaked out because they start hearing sounds coming from the other side of the room. Freddy wonders what the sound is, and of course Frank has an idea. So they manage to lock the door and keep the cadaver from coming out because it just keeps screaming and screaming and screaming and it's kind of annoying. Man, somebody shut that fucking zombie up. So they go into the office and of course the first thing that Freddy wants to do is call the cops. So it's obvious the reason that they don't want to call the cops and they don't want to call the army is because a lot of that shit that they're probably dealing with there is fucking illegal, right? How did they get the skeletons? How did they get these zombies? Of course, it turns out that it's probably not a transportation issue, but probably he got them off the black market or managed to get them some other weird way. So Frank, of course, calls Bert, and Bert's going to be on his way. We then cut back over to the whole punk group that's hanging out in the cemetery, and we get a weird scene with Trash who starts talking about what's the most horrible way to die. I wonder, like... What would be the most horrible way to die? Try not to think about dying too much. Mm. Well, for me, the worst way would be for a bunch of old men to get around me and start biting and eating me alive. I see. First... They would tear off my clothes. Let's get some light over here. Crash is taking off her clothes again. Well, you know, she is the most overacting actor in this entire movie. Well, with the exception of uh, Nose Clip Guy. Uh, But at least you get boobs. I mean, she does this weird little dance on top of a grave. And she sheds all of her clothes. The first thing she does is she removes her shirt And then it's weird because she gets totally nude. And, okay, I'm not purposely trying to look for this. 
Uh, honestly, I'm being completely 100% honesty with you guys. But originally, when she takes off her pants, because I mean, when she gets fully nude, she gets fully fucking nude. And she's that way for the rest of the movie. But there are some camera tricks that are done that kind of block her nether regions, let's say. And I could have sworn that you could see it at one point. And again, I'm not trying to go out of my way to look for this. It's right there on the big fucking screen. You can see it. If you can find her vajayjay, her vajayjay's there. That's all I'm going to say. But it seems like it's so covertly blocked in some ways with the way that she moves her body, with the way that it looks like she has like a cod piece covering the thing. And who knows, maybe in the film, to make sure she wasn't completely nude in front of everybody, they did put something there and they used some type of like green screen or I wouldn't say green screen in front of her crotch, but they used some type of blurring effect so that you couldn't quite make out what was going on down there because she wasn't wearing uh, much else other than something to block that off. But I do have to admit, she's kind of cute for a trashy goth punk chick. I mean, yeah, make your own choices. Uh, but so she does this, everybody kind of makes fun of her and then we, well, they don't really make fun of her. The guys are kind of oogling at her and the girls are kind of disgusted with her. But with, we then cut back over the warehouse and the boss, Bert is back and he's wondering what the fuck those two did. You did what? You opened it, you stupid morons, you idiot. What's the matter with you, Frank? Haven't I always told you never even go near those goddamn tanks? What are we going to do, Bert? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be sued by the Darrow Chemical Company. I'm going to be investigated by the government. I might become very famous, Frank. I might even lose my business. I might even go to jail. God damn it. That's what I'm going to do. This also seems to be a running issue for Bert. Everything in the film has to deal with him losing his business or losing money or whatever it is. So instead of trying to figure something out he decides okay well the best way to deal with it is let's just fucking kill it once it gets out of its freezer i guess it does go after bert right away even though bert tries to send frank over there so that maybe it attacks uh attacks i should say frank or freddie uh and instead it goes directly after bert they're able to grab it, throw it to the ground, and then Bert takes out this giant pickaxe and, just as Frank says, uh, tries to bury that thing into its brain. Well, he does that, but in turn, the body doesn't stop wriggling and the cadaver just fucking keeps wailing out. Now, like I should say, this is an equal opportunity nudity uh, environment, except for, again, for the guys, they don't show the crotch, but this cadaver is completely jaundiced like it's probably soaked in something or dyed a certain way so that the body parts can be seen better by students but it's actually kind of funny with him running out because it kind of looks like he's wearing a yellow condom around him and not really just the bot that's just the body being dyed himself like it's really skin tight i mean basically if you were if you're thinking about the naked gun, you know that scene where Leslie Nielsen and what's her name? Uh, I want to say Marissa Torme, but I know that it's not. Renee Russo. Uh, when they have sex for the first time, they're covered in body condoms. Uh, now, imagine if instead of it just being giant condoms, it's like completely close to the skin. Like you're wearing one of those, oh, I know the best idea. One of those green man suits that you see sometimes at sporting events. That's what he looks like, except for you can kind of see the head, which doesn't match the color of the rest of the body so it's kind of a little bit of jarring and awkward and funny at the same time so they're holding him down and they're wondering why the shot to the head didn't work 
I thought you said if we destroyed the brain, it'd die. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now, Frank. You mean the movie lied? You mean like this movie's lying to me, telling me that this is true? And that George A. Romero wouldn't have just fucking made the movie even if he was gonna be sued? Yeah. Movie fucking lied. So now we know that that part of The Night of the Living Dead, if we're trying to translate that, those zombies to these zombies, is that being shot or killed in the brain uh, does nothing to these guys whatsoever. They decide the best thing to do is cut the body up and take it over to their good friend over in the mortuary uh, that happens to be on the same grounds of the cemetery, and his name is Ernie. Uh, In the meantime, while they're taking everybody back, we go ahead and go back to the punks in the cemetery who are still, quote-unquote, partying, uh, and we see that our good friend Suicide is having a... uh, existential crisis within himself nobody understands me you know that i fucking bust my ass for you guys and what do i get you're spooky fuck you man fuck you all i like it spooky i mean i got something to say you know what do you think this is all about you think this is a fucking costume this is a way of life oh yes (laughs) hey what's wrong with you man Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya? So you're okay a little while ago, her doing this dance upon somebody's tomb, but now that she's rubbing her naked ass all over you, and I mean, she is really getting into good old suicide right here, uh, now you want her to have respect for the dead? You make no fucking sense, and you're having this, oh, nobody understands me, you dumb fucking, like, punk teenager. Is that the way that we all are? The way that we dressed is our livelihood. And nobody understands the way that I do these things because, you know, it's not just a costume. It's a fucking way of life. You sound like those people that just don't have a fucking clue. Yeah, okay, the way you dress, it's great. I don't really give a shit about the way you dress. But you know what? If you didn't handle yourself like an asshole, people wouldn't think that you're a spooky fucking asshole. Plus, you call yourself suicide, you stupid. Stupid motherfucker. Anyway, the guys uh, with the body, Frank, Bert, and Freddy, they arrive over there at the mortuary. And, of course, Ernie, he's first working on a cadaver. And he gets scared by Bert busting through. Well, Bert knocks on the door first, and he's listening to something in his headset. So he can't quite make it out. But it's really cheesy Walkman headsets. If you guys grew up in the 80s and 90s who were listening to this, uh, and they, they still kind of make them now. Now, most people, when you get a headset, you get the ones that cover over the top of yours. Just like the ones that I'm currently wearing to do the podcast. And, uh, you know, when you want to record music and stuff. These are like studio cans, right? Uh, and then you have, used to have those, like, orange headsets that would come with, like, your Walkman or your really cheesy $10 cassette player, right? They were just, like, these single wired things, and then they had puffy little parts that went on the top of your ear, so that way you didn't get the, uh, uh, you know, the, the hard part of the speaker, uh, in, in, kind of stuck in your ear, right? So he's got those, and you could hear everything and their mother over those things. I don't care what anybody else said to you, noise-canceling or not. It's not noise-canceling unless it covers your fucking ear. 
Those things wouldn't cover the sound of a fucking ant taking a sugar cube back to his fucking children. I mean, you could hear everything over them. And then when you turned them up way too loud, everybody could hear everything that you were listening to at the same fucking time. So, him knocking on the door, and he didn't knock a light, it should have alerted Ernie, in my opinion. But this is a movie, and it doesn't. So when he goes in there and says, hey, Ernie, uh, Ernie turns around and points a gun in his face. And he ends up taking it away because he realizes that's Bert. So Bert talks with Ernie. Wait, am I just getting this right now? That the two friends and lead characters in this film are named Bert and Ernie? Is there going to be some type of, like, rubber ducky bath song that I'm going to get in a little bit? Because we just had to name our two older male friend characters Bert and Ernie. Oh my god. That is the dumbest thing I think that I've ever seen for choices of characters. And and they're supposed to be the ones that have the more... Not leveled minds, but... I don't know. I Ernie really is kind of more of the hero of this story than anybody else because what if he does, especially for Bert, and you know, they've known each other for a long time, supposedly for 25 years. And that's why Bert believes that he can ask Ernie for a favor. Hey, uh, buddy boy. Uh, how long have we been friends, Ernie? About how long? About uh, 25 years, give or take. Yeah. Uh, if I ask you a favor, could you keep it quiet? Sure. What is it? Well, I'm going to need some help, Ernie, in a pretty big way, really. You can depend on me. What, what's wrong? Uh, I got a couple of my men out here. Do you, you mind if I, no, I bring them in? A bird! A bird! That's illegal! So, of course, Ernie kind of freaks out when he sees them bring in a bag full of a bunch of things that are moving. And Ernie has to wonder... What exactly is in those bags? What the hell is in those bags? Rabbit weasels. What? What the hell are you doing with a bunch of rabbit well, weasels? I'm trying to explain it to you, Ernie. You know, they came in as part of a shipment. Of course, they weren't supposed to be a rabbit, you know, but you know how these things happen. No, I don't. How do they happen? Well, watch out, watch out, Ernie. Don't get bit. Yeah. Anyway, we got them and we need your help. We got to get rid of these things. Well, why didn't you call an animal shelter? Well, word get out and hurt my business. You know, that's a bad scene, rabies. I don't think so. I mean, so what? You don't run a pet store. Okay, really, those are rabid weasels inside the bag. Sure they are. I'll totally believe you, dude. And of course, this is the American way, right? You don't want to get in trouble, so you just want to burn everything up and make sure that there's no evidence behind. Uh, I. What's really kind of cool about this scene, to be honest with you... Uh, there was a little bit before where he was talking about embalming and how embalmers do things, and I thought that was really interesting. The other thing that's kind of cool about this scene uh, is the puppetry that becomes involved when he actually shows him what's inside the body bags, which are the limbs of the dead guy, and of course one tries to grab Bernie by the leg. Uh, but I might be getting ahead of myself right there. But the puppetry for the stuff that's in the bags is actually kind of cool. And I like, you know, of course this is way before a lot of CGI was used, but the practical effects in this movie are pretty f- fucking awesome, if you ask me. So from here, we go back into the cemetery, and they keep trying to juxtapose this movie between the kids, the punk kids, and what's going on with Bert and Frank and Freddy, and now Ernie and the dead body. It's weird, because they're trying to, I think, 
give us some type of connection to these kids and why they're there. And it's also the more comedic moments of the movie. But I kind of wish that they weren't there other than to just be fodder. I mean, you do get some pretty funny one-liners and interesting conversations with them, but they're not really worth it. Like the case of Chuck and Casey. Two characters that I really could give a shit about. And there's a third character, and I bet you I'm mixing him and Chuck up. But really, these three characters mean absolutely nothing. Even Joanna Man really doesn't do a whole lot, but he does actually do more towards the end of the film, just not in the beginning of the film. And so you have them off in the corner, these two, Casey and this other guy that I can't remember his name, and I apologize. Uh, but you have them talking off, and he's kind of getting to this, oh, well, you know, I really liked you type speech. And she shuts him down hardcore, and you laugh a little bit, and then you move on back over to Bert and Ernie. There's a lot of these types of moments in this film, and I'm sorry also that a lot of this is very clip-heavy, but it seems to keep going between long sets of pure dialogue to then having, and them cramming a ton of shit into these scenes with the dialogue. Like, they were talking way too much for a... Uh, a horror movie and a zombie movie, right? And then you go to these long segments and sometimes really short segments and sometimes longer segments of what's kind of going on and weird just shots of zombies and action going on. So it's it's not blended terribly well in terms of that. It's almost like I'm watching a Kevin Smith movie with more action and zombies involved in it. But you still have these long arcing stretches of dialogue where there's very important information, very entertaining stuff that you get to hear. But it's so crammed tight with it that it's hard not to just cherry pick the moments that you want to talk about. It's at this point that Tina, Freddy's girl, I guess you could say, decides that she's going to leave the group and try to go find Freddy inside the warehouse. It's kind of a weird cut because she leaves the group and then they show these kind of long stretches of her walking and she gets to the warehouse, rings the doorbell and wonders where Freddy is. And then of course we cut back over to the mortuary and we see Freddy, Ernie and Bert all talking about what they're going to do. Frankly, Bert, I think you acted precipitously in cutting up the corpse. Yeah, you may be right. I don't know, but I did it. So what, what are we going to do about it, Ernie? If I let you use the retort, what's in it for me? What do you want? Well, uh, the way I see it, this is a pretty big favor. Well, you got it. Whatever it is you want, so help me. I'll, I'll do it, I promise. Okay, so whatever he wants, Bert will do for Ernie. I guess that truly means that they're best friends, and maybe Snuffleupagus is going to come along, and he's going to give them exactly what they need. Friendship. And lots of love. No, fuck that. He's probably going to want a bunch of money, or he's going to go kill a prostitute somewhere, and he's going to be, Bert, Bert, you got to help me, Bert. I killed a prostitute, Bert. I'm sorry. That's probably the worst Ernie I've ever done. Anyway, so... That's, of course, probably not going to come to bite him in the ass sometime later in the movie. So he makes the promise that, hey, I'll do anything that it needs to be done to do this. So, of course, Ernie reluctantly agrees since Bert's going to promise to deliver anything that Ernie's heart so desires. Now, I should also say, too, and this shouldn't come of any surprise, Bert had to explain exactly what was going on, especially after one of the arms went and grabbed uh, right onto Ernie's leg. So they prepare all the body parts to throw it inside the furnace and burn it alive. And of course, 
you know, well, I shouldn't say burn it alive, actually. Burn it dead. And, of course, that's not going to cause any problems, right? I mean, nothing weird is going to happen once the fumes of the body get into the... Oh, fuck. It starts raining, and the rain mixes with the weird ash mixture in the sky. And that causes whatever the chemicals are to start going into the dirt and infecting the bodies below. And it's more like an acid rain that kind of falls down because it starts hurting the punks who run back to the car. Cutting back over to Bert, Ernie, and the fam, I guess I should call them now, uh, Freddy starts talking about how he's just not feeling that well. All right, let's get back to that warehouse, clean up the mess, and get the hell out of there. What do you say, Frank? Okay, just just give me a second to rest, catch my breath, then we'll do it, okay? Yeah, Frank, I don't know about you, but I'm really sick. What? What's wrong, Fred? I feel like hell is what's wrong. I'm really sick. I'm sick, too, Bert. Sick? Like how? I feel like my head's going to bust wide open. And I want to puke. And I'm weak, too. Me, too. I got the chills. It's that stuff, Bert. It's that goddamn stuff we breathe. What stuff? What, what are you talking about, Frank? When that canister cracked, this gas squirted out. It hit us right in the face. We breathed it. It knocked us out. We were out cold unconscious for a while. Oh, Christ. Shouldn't we get to a doctor or something like that? Yeah, Bert, I need a doctor. Dan, I'm getting in the car and taking these guys to the emergency ward right now. Let's go, Frank. You're going to be all right. I'm going to get you there. And that's when Frank, he starts basically like vomiting up whatever it is that's in his system. We go back over to the warehouse, and now Tina, she's looking around trying to figure out where Fred is, and she happens to stumble towards the basement. She goes down the stairs. I also forgot to mention that Frank had told Freddy at one point that to watch the third step because there's an issue with it. And I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen to anybody else but Tina shortly in this film because then we get into zombie POV where we're stalking Tina through the raptors and actually the zombie pops out and it's the zombie from the pod. And this is probably the, I would say the best puppetry and makeup work in the entire film the zombie actually looks really cool and looks like the body has been kind of melted like his face has been decayed off and his body's kind of been turned to slime of course the zombie speaks and it's kind of weird she starts yelling trying to run away and she hits that third step and falls right back down through the bottom like i said it's only gonna affect her she runs into a closet a metal closet and then pulls it close, and then puts a bar in between the doors so the zombie can't get him. Now, this is, again, where the zombies are very different than most of what I've seen. One, he's a lot faster than every zombie I've seen so far uh, in most films, uh, at least from this time frame. Two, it's really fucking smart. One, it can speak. Two, it knows how to reason how to get her out of that room by taking a chain putting it to the door, and then pulling it on a kind of pulley lever system to give him enough leverage because he basically knows what his strength is and is able to kind of pull the door open and break, well, it's weird, break whatever she's using to bar the door so that she can he can get to her and get to her brains. Now, I didn't play what he sounds like because you're going to hear it in just a second because the rest of the punk fans decide that they're going to go after Fred too and they run inside the warehouse. When they do so, they hear her scream and they go down to the basement 
they're all confronted by the zombie guy and of course the zombie guy he turns on poor suicide here and starts eating at his brain that gives tina to the time to get away everybody to go upstairs and juana man to try to block off the door but he's not getting help from anybody So the zombie kind of sounds this weird kind of guttural type of voice. And it's funny that he does have a voice. And other zombies do talk in this film, which is interesting and also very, very, very silly. Uh, Especially two of the clips that I will be playing later on in this podcast. So the punks start arguing amongst themselves on what they're going to do because poor trash is downstairs. And then they wonder who are they going to call. Down there. Oh, no way, man. He is gone. That thing ate his head. <laughs> I don't hear anything down there, do you? Oh, we gotta call somebody! Who? Hey, I don't want to call no cops. The cops are just gonna kick our ass! Just let's get out of here, okay? Oh, we gotta call somebody! Wait a minute. Where's Freddy? He was gone. He wasn't here when I showed up. Now, there's kind of a Scooby-Doo type chasing that happens here. Because you get the really cheesy music as you hear it's starting there. And they're chasing down everybody and they're kind of going their separate ways. Now, the other guy that I forgot his name is, he's Scuzz. So Scuzz, Joanna Man, and Tina, they all end up breaking off from most of the group and they go towards the mortuary uh, place. Uh, Chuck and Casey, they go off on their own to hide in a different place as well, which I guess ultimately turns into the warehouse. Meanwhile, poor Trash... She dies the way she thought that would be the most horrible way to die, by being eaten alive by a bunch of the zombies that are now busting out of the cemetery. While this is all kind of going on, we also have paramedics that are at the mortuary, and they're looking at poor Fred and Frank. While trying to get vital signs and other important information from them, they start to think that their equipment just isn't working right, because they're not able to get a pulse, and they're not able to get any type of readings or heartbeats from the stethoscopes that they're wearing. This causes them to come up with the one solution that they can't quite believe is real. You have no pulse, your blood pressure is zero over zero. You have no pupillary response, no reflexes, your temperature is 70 degrees. What does that mean? Well, it's a puzzle. Because technically, you're not alive. Except you're conscious, so we don't know what it means. You saying we're dead? Well, let's not jump to conclusions. Are you saying we're dead? Look, obviously I didn't mean you were really dead. Dead people don't move around and talk. Well, guess what? They do now. And it's obvious that that gas or whatever it was, the chemical that was used, is actually turning them into the undead. It's slowly killing them, but it's able to keep their bodies animated. So they're able to still think, feel, and really, uh, you know be conscious while they're dying so they get interrupted during that scene because joanna man tina and i believe scuzz they all arrive at the door of the mortuary and they want to be let in to be saved Freezing, you're yes. dead. Don't, don't shoot you. are you crazy are you on pcp nobody's on any drugs man just let us in all right come in come in no funny moves Shit, no man look you gotta lock all your doors and your windows and call the cops out there what who's out there don't you hear that Shut up and listen, man. What is it? It's 
people screaming. Who are these dead people? Yes, they came from out of the ground, and they're after us. Out of the ground? Yes, and our friends took off the other way, and they're out there now. So while they're out there in the main part of the place talking with these kids, the paramedics decide they're going to go back to the cars, and they're trying to figure some other stuff out. When, of course, when they go out there, they get surrounded and they succumb to the zombies and their brains basically get eaten. Again, it's pretty good puppetry and it's pretty good special effects at this point in the film. Back on the inside, uh, Bert has run into Ernie with the rest of the kids and he wonders what kind of problem they actually have. Maybe what kind of a problem? I'll take a look at it. Why, what the hell's going on out here? Mister, that graveyard out there is full of people coming out of the ground. What do you mean, out of the ground? Yes, out of the ground. They're horrible and they scream and you've got to scream. do something. Yes, mister, they're out there and there's one of them in that warehouse on the other side of the graveyard. Which, which warehouse? The medical supply Oh, house. shit! Shit! And God damn! I, 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 think, I, I think things are getting out of hand. Mister, there's a hundred of those things out there. A hundred? So, there's one thing I want to point out and I have a hard time after this point in the film like not making that comparison, but she really sounds like the lady that plays Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors with Rick Moranis and Steve Martin uh, and Bill Murray as well. Uh, it's so close that it was started driving me crazy at this point because I hate her character so fucking much. Not Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. I think that the way that character is played, especially for that, it's perfectly fine. For this, she's just a fucking annoying lady the entire fucking movie from this point on. Just whining about everything every all the fucking time. I thought she was going to be taken out really quick, really soon. And no, I have to deal with this fucking annoying fucking mousy woman for the rest of this film. Uh. So Ernie goes outside because they think they can use one of the paramedics' van to get away. And when he goes outside, one of the funniest fucking parts of the movie happens. And it's it's the funniest part for me, particularly because it caught me off guard. So Ernie goes around the side and he starts hearing noises from the, the paramedic fan, right? And he turns around the corner and he sees one of the zombies chomping on the head of one of the paramedics. Now, that's not the funny part. It's when the zombie gets up. Because it's like, stubs the fucking zombie. Like... It's Lieutenant Dan the zombie. He ain't got no legs, and he actually, he ain't got no arms either. And he gets up and he does this pirouette, and then he's just chasing after poor Ernie on these teeny little stubs. And (laughs) I still left thinking about it because it's so ridiculous, but it's so funny at the same time. And I can't believe that somebody put something like that in this movie. So, of course, Ernie says that they can't get out of there, and there's nothing that they can do. So, at this point, it becomes even more like a Scooby-Doo movie because the music starts playing. And it seriously sounds like it belongs in a Scooby-Doo episode. Like, there's 80s cheese synth, and then there's Scooby-Doo. And this is where it is. It's Scooby-Doo. And then they're all working together because the zombies start attacking and start trying to get into the place. And it's just going on at the same time. It's like, do, 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 do. Here, I'll actually play you a little clip of the music. And this is all going on at the same time that they're trying to protect themselves. We also 
get one of the funniest sound bites from the whole movie. And this actually comes from one of the zombies outside. See, he's busy, and he's chomping on the paramedic's brain. And this isn't Stubbs, by the way. And Stubbs, actually, too, was a pretty good, I would say, puppet. I don't know if that was an actual uh, little person inside or doing a costume type thing. But the way that guy ran stuff, it really seemed like a puppet. But here on the regular zombies and the people zombies, other than the couple that are there, the makeup isn't very good. But he, so this guy's chopping down on a zombie and he overhears the radio from the uh, ambulance start making, uh, well, they're trying to call out to him. And here, take a look. Or I should say, listen. Rescue 7, this is dispatch. Do you copy over? Come in, dispatch. And I know that's somebody's favorite line of this entire movie. Uh, And it's just done so kind of brilliantly deadpan in that situation. Like if you were a zombie and you couldn't really talk very well, and you're basically, because, you know, the muscles in most of your body is atrophied, then that's probably what you'd sound like. So I do give them a little props on that, even though it's pretty goddamn cheesy. So now we're back with the rest of the Scooby-Doo gang. And of course, Frank and Freddy are getting worse and worse by the minute. This prompts Juana Man to finally ask, you need to tell us what the fuck is going on. You know, I think it's time you tell us what the fuck's going on. I don't on. have to tell you anything, dick brain. We think you should. <laughs> tell him, goddammit. Tell us! It was a chemical. It was some chemical that soaked into the soil of the... Graveyard and made the corpses come back to life. Yeah, what fucking chemical? I don't know what chemical, goddammit! It was ordered by the military, I think. I think it was. Well, you mind telling me how the fuck did it get all over the graveyard? I don't know. I just... All I know is that it was stored over at the medical supply warehouse where you were, and these two geniuses managed to open a goddamn container and let the son of a bitch out! Let him out! So, he kind of explains what has gone on, and... You all of a sudden see your crashing going on to where other zombies are basically breaking into the place. They go over to that room. They try to board things up. There's the second funniest moment to me in the entire film where Ernie, he takes like this thing, supposed to be like, like a big wooden plank or something, and he throws it. But when he throws it, it like floats across the room it ridiculously does it he throws it down he throws it across and you see it just go like to uh to the left of the camera and then it catches a breeze and comes back and floats down into the center of the room uh poor scuzz and that's who i believe that is by this point in the film uh he does get attacked by a zombie he does get killed in this scene but they manage to cap uh, capture one of the zombies who i thought was trash the first time i saw it turns out that it wasn't because we get to see her again later but they tie it down and they ernie he wants to learn more about the zombie so he asks it some questions well i don't understand what you want with it ernie i mean what are we doing with it i want to examine it I mean, you make sure it's tied right it's big time right i mean i mean it's not gonna get it loose right no it's not gonna get loose you're no stronger Humans. Don't be afraid. I'm busting in the damn head. Man, you sure that thing's tired good? You can hear me. Yes. 
Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. Brains only. Yes. Why? The pain. What about the pain? The pain of being dead. Hurts to be dead. I can feel myself rot. Eating brains. How does that make you feel? It makes the pain go away. So there's some really interesting ideas that are going on here, right? So everybody's been animated back to life that has been deceased. And because they're dead, they feel the pain of their body still rotting away. And I should say that the makeup and design of this zombie is really fucking cool. It's basically half a zombie, right? So you have the the top half and then she's cut off in the spine. And the reason I thought it was trash before because it doesn't have pink hair. Turns out that trash is a different zombie somewhere else. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll talk about her in a second, but the puppetry used for this is pretty good for 1985. I think that the special effects in this movie are pretty top notch. There's some decent, I mean, it's not a very gory movie, but when they do do something gory, it does look pretty damn good. Like when you see the brains kind of leaking out one of the paramedics head, it looks fantastic. I think that they spent a lot of time with that and they did a good job doing the puppetry now is it a little cheesy yeah it's a little cheesy but you have to see what you're working with and with the time frame maybe they didn't have the money to go all out on a big animatronic puppet but what they did with this one i really like because you have to think that not everything's going to move perfectly all the time and even that's something that ernie said earlier in the film when he was talking about embalming he says when it comes to the muscle and rigor mortis everything just starts atrophying right so you can get it to move and be better when you basically exercise it for them it loosens up the muscles and allows you to do what you want in terms of embalming the the corpse or positioning it for the funeral that's going to happen and it's the same thing with the way that the zombies move somewhat uh and especially this one the scene so i can kind of understand with the facial type of movements for this zombie uh that they'd be stiffer than they normally would so uh this prompts Juana man to pull everybody aside after they heard this and he wonders how exactly do we kill them man look how do we kill those things you don't the fuck you mean you don't bird you can't kill those mothers they're already dead you got to understand they're not living creatures they're animated i mean you can chop them up into pieces of pieces or still come after you all you can do is just burn them you got to totally reduce them to ashes so there's nothing left to come after you how are you gonna burn all those things man it's a hundred of those fuckers yeah that is the question it's weird at this point that they haven't put two and two together that the rain outside didn't start happening until the ashes went into the air. So you're telling me you want to turn them all into ash and completely vaporize everything. You know what that's really going to take. It's going to take some sort of like atomic bomb or missile strike or some shit to destroy all of them. But then the ash is going to go up into the air just like when you burn these guys up and create the acid rain that's going to bring more dead back into the world. Now I guess if it's contained in the same area that the dead already have risen, 
prison, then you shouldn't have any problems. But I could just imagine what would happen if it was on some type of like large scale, like citywide scale. Wouldn't other cemeteries now bring other dead people back from the uh, well from the dead? Uh, if they got hit with more rain that was created because this went into the atmosphere. It's one of those weird questions where you kind of can make that educated guess and you see where it's going, whereas the people in the film don't fucking have a clue of what's going on. So they go back over and they see that Frank and Freddy are getting worse, and they decide that the best thing that they're going to do to them is to actually lock them up. Look, I think it'd be a lot wiser if we, say, contained Frank and Freddy. You know what I'm saying? No! What do you mean, contained? Well, what I mean is lock them in a room somewhere so if they started acting funny, they wouldn't hurt anybody. They don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> you bastard! Why don't you lock yourselves up? Look, lady, we're not proposing doing anything to them. For Christ's sake, we just want to lock them in another room so we can figure out how to get the hell out of here. All right? I should also say before, and I can't believe that I skipped over this, but we got to see Trash once again. And Trash coming from the shadows. See, there's this homeless man that comes out, and he's pushing his cart. And then he suddenly looks over, and there's this white trash. Again, getting it. Uh, that is walking towards him. And now I'm not saying, like, white trash, white trash, but she's completely white, and she's still completely fucking naked, which makes no fucking sense. This is probably the one of the worst continuity things, because she talked about how the fact that she didn't want to be eaten alive. That was the most horrific way for her to die, and the zombies ate her alive, or at least ate her brains, and now she's back? How did she come back? Shouldn't she have a ton of bite marks on her or some some shit? Or be missing part of her brain? Or did they just like kind of bite her and then she turned into like super white trash? And uh, so, you know, the homeless man in the beginning, he has this look in his face like, fucking A, I'm gonna score because this naked lady is walking to me. And she's definitely homeless hot. And then as she pops up, she disappears and his face goes from... Like, oh yeah, to oh no, and she pops up and bites the shit out of his neck, and that's the end of the homeless guy, and then we go on to the next scene. We see Chuck and Casey, and they're talking, and of course now that it's gone into this light for death situation, Casey reveals the fact that she actually does like him, and maybe at the end of everything, those two are actually going to get together, who knows, but that's something that really wasn't fucking needed in the movie. So, from that, we move on. So they finally do convince Tina that they need to lock Frank and Freddy up, but of course, Tina doesn't want to leave Freddy's side, so she's going to be in the room with him. And honestly, I hope Fred eats the shit out of your brain. You need to die. This is going to be your own stupidity that gets you killed, and you better not drag anybody else down with you. So now the cops suddenly come onto the scene. And the cops, they get in there, and the moment that they step out of the cars, they're completely ambushed by the zombies that are out there. And we get a uh, reverse scene that we saw previously in the movie. This place, everybody that comes in gets swallowed up. Send the cops. So there's, of course, more cops that are going to be on the way that the zombies are basically setting traps for so they can eat the cops' brain. Like I said, these zombies are actually really smart, and the only drive that they have is to quell the death knell that is basically attacking their bodies. 
So these would be, if this was a scarier movie, these would be some of the scariest zombies I think that you would ever face. But of course, this is a cheesy movie. Uh, we go back into basically, I would say it's the uh, like the church area of the mortuary uh, and uh, or the viewing room, if you uh, will. And you've got Fred there, and he's talking to Tina. And of course, you know he still slowly changes to the point where he figures out exactly what he needs. I can finally see one thing. One thing only that can leave this world suffering. What, Freddy? What? Live I find it weird that he uses the phrase thy brain instead of your brain, but maybe in the back of his head, again, this is like take number five or something, he was saying my brain, and then he was about to say it again, and he's like, my brain! Like, okay, well, guess that sounds good, and we'll, we'll use that one, or they're just using weird language instead of using yours. So, of course, she's saved by Joanna Man, Ernie, and Bert, uh, and Ernie throws some acid onto uh fred's face and frank has completely disappeared at this point i don't know where he is if he's a zombie out there or i mean he's there but you really don't see much of him anything at, at any point left in this film so they go over they're able to block him off they run and they decide okay we've got to make a run for the cars ernie shows that his foot is broken and he's not going to be able to run for it so joanna man and bert they discuss how they're going to do it. For the cars. There's zombies all over the cars outside. Got to find a way through them. There's no other way. Once we're in the car and moving, I think we'll be all right. It's a big fucking if, man. Yeah. I can't walk. Much less run. How bad is your foot, honey? Broke. So he decides to take Tina because they're not going to be able to use her either because i guess they figured out that she's fucking worthless and already caused them a bunch of problems now they also realize too that having uh fred blinded has helped them a lot because he's not able to actually follow them very well but that's all the acid that he possibly has left in his place so joanna man and bert they go outside and they go all dead rising out on the fucking zombies that are out there and they manage to make it to one of the cop cars they can't get back to the door close enough so that they can get Ernie and Tina out. So they decide to make a run for it and maybe call for help. It's a kind of a weird decision that gets made because you think that they'd be able to, after what they've done to get to the car, just really fast get them out, maybe carry them. But I guess he could leave them behind. So Ernie and Tina decide to hide up in the attic while uh, Bert and Joanna Man go towards the medical building where there's a phone that they can use. Inside, uh... Chuck and Casey, they had tried to go use the phone, but they were attacked by a zombie that they locked inside the offices uh, of Frank, Bert, and Fred. Bert, he comes inside. He's trying to go for the phone, and that's when they run into Casey and Chuck, and he gives them this explanation. Don't go in there! See, there's a thing in there, and it ripped out the phone! Another phone in the basement. The basement! Fuck! You know what's in the basement? What do you mean? One of those fucking corpses, man. A real ugly one, all black and slimy. Well, I don't give a shit what's in the basement. We gotta get to that phone, man. Blinding seems to work okay, doesn't it? 
Oh, I forgot to mention I did figure out where Frank was, and I feel like a fucking idiot for bringing it up past this part. But Frank decided to kill himself by going into the uh, furnace that was there. He laid himself up, backed him, and burned himself to death because he couldn't deal with the fact that he was a zombie anymore. While Fred didn't really give a fuck, he just wanted to go eat some brains. Uh, so now that that's been completely uh, fleshed out there, quote-unquote... Uh, they decide that the there's another phone downstairs and they're going to go get it. So what's going to happen is they're going to open the, the doors down there and they're going to try to get rid of that weird slimy zombie and then go use the phone in the basement. So they do open it. Bert has a bat, swings away, and knocks the head off the zombie, which causes him to get distracted enough for the gang to go downstairs and lock themselves in the basement itself. Uh, Frank gets on the horn and he asked to be uh, directed directly to the police. Because at this point in the film, they've created a barrier and they've lost a ton of men to these zombies that have gone in. And they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, give me the police. It's an emergency, operator! Captain, over here! Yes, go ahead. Yeah, you gotta help us. There's a bunch of us trapped inside your barricade here and we can't get out of here. First of all, mister, what the hell is going on there? I lost a dozen good men and nobody can tell me jack shit. Look, there are a bunch of people in the cemetery who are stark, staring, mad, and they'll kill you and eat you if they catch you. It's like a disease. It's like rabies, only faster. It's a lot faster. That's why you gotta come in here right now and get us the hell out of here right now. Please, please! Oh, just a minute, I can't hear where there's a lot of noise out here. Hey, what the hell's going on? So that's the screaming uh, voices of all the zombies that are now coming upon the police. And there's way more of them than there were before. They overrun the police, and this is now the last possible thing that Burton Company can do, which is finally call the number on the fucking capsules. And if they had just done this, maybe this would have been solved a long time ago, but you're so worried about one, going to jail because you probably obtained these illegally and two, your business being shut down. But at this point, now I finally got to see the colonel once again and the importance of him in this movie. Yeah. I'm calling the number stenciled on the side of the tank. Your name, please. Bert Wilson. Stay on the line, Mr. Wilson. You're being transferred. This is ComQ Denver. Go ahead. Denver, this is Wichita. I've got a COY priority on a 113. Who's up? That would be Colonel Glover. San Diego, I'll put you through. <laughs> yes. Yes, Captain. I see. Very well. Chris. Put the call through to me. Yes. Yes, put him on. Oh. Mr. Wilson, where are you calling from? I see. When did this take place? And when was the tank first breached? Why didn't you call his number immediately? I see. It's understandable. Uh, what, what happened next? Uh-huh. Oh, you did. And what effect did that have? I see. So, uh, what did you do then? What did they do? I see. Really? How many did you say? And how many acres does this cemetery cover, sir? Yes. I see. I see. 
Yes, I see. Uh, of course. Uh, thank you for your assistance, Mr. Wilson. I'm going to switch you back to Captain Turner now. He'll talk to you. So this causes the colonel to go over the little command center that he has built inside of his house that his wife had been complaining about, you know, fucking with her stuff. So he calls some number. He's got some ancient, like, dot matrix printer that keeps printing out crap while he's talking. And finally, he's able to pull the, I guess, the plug on the whole situation. If you haven't figured it out as well, the thing that they were looking for in the beginning of the movie happens to be the zombies that are in his warehouse. So what exactly is this plan that's going to happen? Well, the guys, Bert, Joanna Man, Casey, and Chuck, they wonder what it is too. We also actually have uh, no real resolution on what's going on with Fred and Ernie and Tina. There's a part where Fred starts trying to break into the attic there, but you never really see him do it. It just kind of cuts to this, and uh, that's basically it for their story. Whether or not they got eaten, it's up to you to figure out what's going on. But of course, just like we're wondering what's going on with them, these guys are wondering what the plan is. What are they doing, man? Hang on a second, would you? Yeah. Oh, it's weird. These people seem to say they... They've been waiting for this to happen. Apparently, they got some sort of uh, contingency plan to deal with it. Huh? Well, that's great. What is this plan? Well, if you haven't guessed it already, there's only one way to get rid of these zombies, and it was already explained by Bert. And we talked about it, and I kind of wondered what was going to happen if you had a giant freaking, like, firebomb to blow up all these zombies, what would happen to everything? Well, that's exactly what the government does. It decides that they're going to blow up a big portion of Kentucky. Uh, uh, I'm going to play a really long clip because this is both the end of the movie as well as some of the credits. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about the credits uh, and we'll talk a little bit after too. But what the weird thing is is that they basically kind of replay the credits within, well, not the credits, replay the whole movie within like 30 seconds of the credits, maybe a minute. Uh, So you get some of the bigger parts of the movie, again, as you're watching the credits roll, and it makes no sense to me. Uh, You also have them speak about what exactly the bombing did, uh, and you get to see the acid rain flowing in the air, covering most of the city, thus probably sparking a sequel, which there are a couple of. So without further ado, let's hear them talk about the end of the world. Let's listen to the part of the credits and part of the song that goes at the end. Spectacular results, sir. Very close to optimal placement. Well, sir, only 20 square blocks destroyed. Less than 4,000 dead, General. I wouldn't worry about the fires, General. The rain is taking care of that right now. Well, there have been complaints about burning skin, but I shouldn't worry. Uh, Minor irritation, General. Uh, The rain will wash everything away. That's correct, sir. All should be back to normal by morning. Yes, sir, I understand the President will visit Louisville tomorrow. No, no, we wouldn't want that to happen, sir. No, sir, this hasn't been very pleasant for anyone. Thank you, sir. Good night, sir. Frank, 
a little problem. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? something that's already dead. Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. What do you think this is all about? You think this is a fucking costume? This is a way of life. Man, it's a hundred of those fuckers. A hundred? Brains. God damn. I, 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 think, I, I think things are getting out of here. It's such a weird choice to start replaying parts of the movie, most of the movie, to be honest, over the last bit of credits. I mean, that goes on, like I said, for about a minute, and I don't know why they just did that. It also doesn't make any sense for them not to kind of figure out what happened when he said, oh, well, I burnt it up, then it started raining, and all of a sudden the zombies came out. And you'd think that a firebomb like that, and it automatically causes that, and we have fucking burning skin. Oh, it's not going to be that bad because the rain's going to, you know, get rid of it. But they killed 4,000 people to get rid of this thing, and they killed everybody in this fucking film. You think that they might have given them just a little bit of time to get away, and or at least we would have seen something that maybe because they were underground that they actually survived, but, uh, you know, according to the film, nothing actually happened. So, in general, I think that I do recommend everybody watching this movie. It is fun. It is a so bad, it, it is good movie. It is a piece of crap. It is shitty to me. But it is so enjoyable. There's The characters, as bad as they are, they're entertaining. The zombies are great. I like a lot of the themes and I like a lot of the lore that they use in this universe. And the fact that they somehow tack themselves on to Night of the Living Dead and somehow start a franchise based upon this, it's fantastic. I like it. Uh, and it is uh, one of the movies that I'm glad that somebody pointed out directly to me that I should watch that I've never watched before. In terms of the gore department, it's kind of a two and a half, three out of five. I'd say it's like a three because when you do see the gore, it looks great. And the things like when he puts the uh, pike through the zombie's head, it's really realistic and, and close up, even though there's no blood there because the zombies don't have blood. But then when you see the brains that are oozing out of the paramedic's head, it looks great. Though some of the makeup could be a lot better. That's why the crap factor of this movie is a 4 out of 5. Because where they did spend the time for the makeup of things, it looks good. But when they don't, it looks better bad really bad the basic zombies just look like they have dirt thrown on them it looks horrible they don't really look like zombies to me but the puppetry the animatronics that were used the makeup on the good zombie as well as the half zombie they're great the little nods to hear things uh like the white trash where she becomes a white trash zombie that's funny to me the burton ernie thing i can't believe i didn't fucking pick up until i was talking to you guys on the podcast it's pretty fantastic a lot 
of like I said the ideas that went into this film but the acting some of it is absolutely terrible I cannot fucking stand Tina she annoys the utter shit out of me and trash as stereotyped she is she's way too over the fucking top I can deal with suicide because he's a little over the top but it's kind of funny and I'm not like trying to make something between man and woman blah 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 don't take it that way okay but the thing is is that she's really just I think trying a little too hard to be that gothic punk that she doesn't need to be she can still be gothic and still love that stuff but just the way that she portrays herself it's fun factor it's a five out of five everything is pretty fun about this movie it starts off great the humor is really good in this movie the scenes with the zombies are great the you know when the, they do have gore it's very good like i said the animatronics and stuff like that it's a very fun fucking movie and i think that everybody should see it so overall i'm rating this movie four white trash zombies out of five and it would have gotten five if it wasn't for the annoying things in the movie and not many movies so far have gotten fours uh, on this podcast i believe there's been about three or four and uh you know it's I'm very surprised myself that I had not seen this movie sooner, and I apologize to anybody that says that I should have, and I agree, I should have seen this movie a long time ago. Maybe not when I was young, when it came out in 1985, but I definitely should have seen it in the late to, uh, early, or well, I should, late 90s, early 2000s, when my love of horror started really growing. So, next episode, uh... I don't know why I do this to myself, but, uh, just listen in. Inside every one of us, there exists a dark side. Most people rise above it, but some are consumed by it. Michael? Until there is nothing left. But pure evil. Behind these eyes, one finds only darkness. These are the eyes of a psychopath. This August, Rob Zombie unleashes an extreme vision of terror and reinvents a legend. Halloween. But wait, there's more. Who'd you kill, sweetie? Who'd you kill?
dead. You've witnessed the birth of evil. Are you a giant? Now, the secret behind his madness will finally be revealed. Only a river of blood can bring us together again. That's right, I'm a fucking psycho and I'm going to give you guys two movies again in one episode. And I'm going to try to space it as best I can within the episode so that you can go between one or the other. Uh, but uh, I I put out a poll and uh, I asked, I want to do a Rob Zombie movie for the end of the month. Uh, and Halloween 2 was the clear winner out of the people that responded to me, voted in the poll, uh, and sent me messages. Uh and uh i really i kind of didn't want to do it but i'm going to but i thought at the same time it is one cohesive story okay now i have not seen halloween 2 i have seen halloween but i know that halloween 2 takes place almost directly after rob zombie's first halloween so what we're going to do is we're going to do both in one episode. It is going to be a very long episode, and I will warn you now. So, uh, it won't be split up, It, but it will. I will give you time signatures on when, uh, if you want to start Halloween 2 instead of listening to Halloween 1. Uh, but I'm a fucking madman doing this because I can't believe that I'm going to sit through both of these Halloween movies. And I know that I did not have the best time sitting through the first one and now i'm gonna sit through both back to back just for you guys uh who suggested that these are the rob zombie movies that i should watch now we will do others in the future because i have a lot to say about the lords of salem which i didn't think was terrible but i think we should look at it uh and i really want to look at 31 which recently came out this year the year that the podcast uh episode was released so look forward to Rob Zombie's Halloween, I don't know, story, epic, disaster, whatever you want to call it, on the next episode. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's T underscore T underscore podcast. Send us an email, terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com. Go like that Facebook page, please. Having only 17 likes on that page bothers me. But, uh, yeah, I would say that's facebook.com slash terribleterrorpodcast. Uh, I really enjoy the interaction from all the fans. I got my first piece of fan art the other day, uh, which... It was great because I liked how it represented the podcast, and I thank you very much. Uh, and that's from at the Fear Merchant uh, at the Fear Merchant on Twitter. I thank Patrick 
uh, for again uh, giving me a suggestion of something brand new that I've never seen before. And like uh, the intro said, please go ahead and check him out. Follow him on Twitter. That's at Big Solo 64 on Twitter. But then check out his YouTube channel because he's got more, more than the cooking stuff. Uh, he's got a lot of funny little things there. And that's at P Solo uh, 64 that you can find him there on the YouTubes. So uh, until next time where we watch Halloween 1 and 2 from Rob Zombie, I say goodbye. Take care.